Happy Sabbath. And thank you, JJ. Um, originally, our scripture reading was only three verses. And I asked him last minute to read all 13 verses. And he did a wonderful job. And I want to tell JJ, I'm very sorry that your dad is going to miss your birthday. I uh, demanded that he visit the orphanage in Korea on the way from the Philippine mission, mission trip, and he's there in Korea right now. He just went to visit the orphanage in Korea last couple days, and he was sick over there. So I have a lot to say sorry for when he comes back, but I am very glad he was there. Um, so for in his stead, I'm here to deliver the message. So here we go. When Jesus entered his public ministry, soon after he was baptized, and he went to the wilderness led by Holy Spirit and be tempted for 40 days, he started calling 12 disciples. And when he called 12 disciples, he gave a famous sermon, almost as a declaration of his ministry. And that sermon is recorded in Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's known today as Sermon on the Mount. That's not what I'm going to talk to you about today. But instead, after three and a half years of his public service, just a day or two before he dies on the cross, he gives his last sermon. When Moses gave his last sermon, whole book is dedicated for that. It's called Deuteronomy. Before his death, he gives last sermon, and we have the fifth book of the Bible. But yet, when Jesus gave his last sermon, we don't usually remember what that was. We remember his first sermon, but we don't quite remember his last. We often think of it as a separate three parables. It's in Matthew's chapter 25. And JJ read the first story in the sermon. Jesus gives this last sermon by telling two parables. First parable is what J.J. read, parable of ten virgins. And he tells the second story, that is the parable of talent. And then he goes to the meat of his sermon The next, and that is the story of sheep and goat. But today, we think of that as a parable. 
That is not right. First two are parable. It goes like, kingdom of heaven is likened to. But when he tells the third story, he is literally saying, when I come back, son of man, when he returns in his glory, this is what's going to happen. This is a literal sermon, literal message. So let us read Matthew chapter 25 today as Jesus' last sermon. So let's start with 10 virgin story on Matthew 25. Since JJ already graciously read that story for us, let's just summarize. There's 10 virgins waiting for the bridegroom, but he comes late and there's midnight cry. And they get ready to receive the bridegroom. And it doesn't tell us exactly why, but there's five wise virgins and there's five foolish ones. Bible doesn't tell us why they are full. It doesn't tell us about their IQs or their education. They, it just says five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. What determines that difference? It's simple. The wise one, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, was with oil. The foolish one does not. So what is this oil? According to Zechariah chapter 4, and also Revelation chapter 4, verse 5, it is clearly Holy Spirit. If you have Holy Spirit, you're wise. If you do not have Holy Spirit, you're foolish. It makes perfect sense when you think about manifestation of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it starts mentioning how the Holy Spirit manifests in the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 8, it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom. And the first manifestation of the Spirit is the wisdom. Next one is the knowledge. It goes on. There's faith. There's prophecy. But Spirit, when you have Holy Spirit, it manifests itself as spiritual wisdom. In Isaiah 11, verse 12, it says, in, in prophet, prophesying about coming Messiah, Jesus. Isaiah says this, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Messiah, the spirit of wisdom. So the Holy Spirit itself is the wisdom. So 
when you have the Holy Spirit, you become wise virgin. If you don't have it, you are a foolish one. Jesus tells that, this very clearly. And this oil, or the Holy Spirit, is not something you can share with somebody else. Can you imagine Ellen White saying, you know what, I'm so busy, God gave me the manifestation of the prophecy to me, but can I share some with you? Can you go and prophesy in my stead? No, it isn't. It is God's domain. And that's why the wise one could not share the oil with a foolish one. So the wise one, with all the spiritual wisdom, leads the foolish one to go to the one who sells the oil. And that is boom. In Isaiah 55, it says, Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. And what is this water? In John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, Jesus stood up and cried out loud, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John gives a commentary right after that and says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom these believing in him would receive. It is Jesus. It is Jesus who sells this Holy Spirit for free. And also, Revelation 3.18, in the message to the Laodicean church, Jesus invites this lukewarm church to buy from me, Jesus says, the eye self that you may see. In Ephesians 1, Verses 17 and 19, 17 and 18 says, this is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. He says, the spirit of, he asked for the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit, come upon Ephesians so their eyes, or it says, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. This is all about Holy Spirit. The wisdom, eyes of enlightenment. Without it, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Because the Holy Spirit is the seal and the guarantor of our hope, the eternal hope. And then Jesus goes on to the next parable in his last sermon. 
he goes on and tells the second story, which is the story of talent. Right before I came out here, I was Googling how much is a talent worth today? It says $1.4 million. $1.4 million. Okay? And Jesus tells this story. When we think of the story of talent, what do we think of? The talent, all the gifts and the abilities. When Jesus was delivering that message, talent didn't mean talent as we see it today. We interpret talent as gifts from God, our natural abilities and such, because of Jesus' story of this talent. When Jesus was telling this story, talent meant two things. Lots of money or the weight. It's about 70 to 75 pounds. So it's either, it's kind of like us saying one pound could mean weight or one pound in British money, right? And the same thing. When Jesus was saying talent, he was kind of like saying pounds. And when he was saying it, it's very interesting. He talks about one person. He's going away. Let's, let's read some of them, okay? Uh, some of the verses here. Verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. This is obviously a parable, right? And he goes, and what does he do? He calls his servant and gives them Talent, one, five, one, two, the third one, one. At this point, we don't know if it was giving them lots of money or lots of weight, right? But however, we know the one that received multiple talent multiplies that double. One who receives one talent buries in the ground. And what's the reason for burying it? Verse 24, Lord, when the, when the master returns after a long time, the first two who receive the multiple talents comes back and master, I doubled up and master is well pleased. But the third one comes and says, Lord, I know you to be a hard man. Okay, now, I want you to think about this. This servant coming to the master and says, I know you're a hard man. And why do I know you're a hard man? He says, you reap, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And went and hid your talent in the ground. Now, this man, if he's afraid, he is bold. Usually when I'm afraid, I did something wrong. And 
When I was little, waiting for my dad to return home, I don't speak up. I'm very quiet, right? But this man says, in effect, what's he really saying? Can you imagine saying this to your teacher? I know you're unreasonable teacher. The reason I didn't do my homework is because you're going to flunk me anyway. You're going to pick on me anyway. This man is telling the, the master, you are a gangster. Isn't it? I mean, think about this. You're a gangster. You pick things that's not yours. You go to the business and says, give me the protection money. You are like that. And I was afraid, so here you go. Right? Now, this man is thrown out. If you read verse 30, is that 30? Hmm? Says, and and Jesus says, cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This, you know, every time I read the Bible verse about somebody not making it to heaven, and there's weeping I can understand, and there's gnashing of teeth. If any one of you are dentist. This is where you need to open your dental office, right outside of kingdom of heaven, and there will be lots of people. Location, 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 right? That gnashing of teeth tells me that this is not true repentance, is it? It's angry. When you hear about this servant saying that, I know you as an unreasonable man, I say these kind of things, doesn't this remind you of somebody else in the Bible? I was thinking when I was reading this, it reminds me of Cain. Uh, Cain. Right? He gets so angry at God for not accepting his offering, he is just, he's just turning red and blue, and God says, why is your countenance fallen? Control your temper, young man. And he goes ahead and kills his brother. And God comes to him and says, where's your brother? And he goes, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, he is angry. Without anger, nobody could talk to God this way. Can you imagine anybody else who's angry at God? Jonah comes to my mind. We remember Jonah as the one who was swallowed up by big fish for three days and three nights. But we sometimes forget that after he repented and went to Nineveh and preached what he was told to preach, and then they repented, and he got exceedingly angry, didn't he? And God said, Jonah, why are you upset? Calm down. 
Is there a reason for you to be this angry? Come on, you are being unreasonable. And what does he say? Yes, there's a reason to be angry. Go ahead and kill me. I'm so angry, I'm going to die. Right? I mean, this is the situation. And when we look at Christ's object lesson, chapter 25, it talks about the, the, the parable of talents. And Ellen White goes directly into what these talents are. She says, before anything else, first and foremost, she goes directly into the, the Bible verse that I read you earlier about manifestation of the Spirit. And she says, it is the gift of, of the Holy Spirit. But she goes on to say, it also means other things. Mental faculties, speech, influence, time, health, strength, money, kindly inclination or impulses. I'm going to add one thing today that's not mentioned in these things. Jesus says, come to me, you heavy laden, and I will give you peace. Remember what I told you about talents? Talents is also the weight. What is our burden? I want you to think about your suffering, your trials and tribulations, your failures as talent. I'm speaking from my experience. When I go to that orphanage that Pastor Bay just visited, and when I go to the prison during the prison ministry, and when I visit downtown LA to that church for the homeless people, the biggest talent that any of us who serve in that situation is our suffering and our experience of failures and rejection. You think you can help them with your success story over there? No. Your rejection, your low point of your life is the very talent God uses to reach those people. When the Holy Spirit manifests himself into our lives, he changes those things that we hide, we want to ignore, and he turns those experiences into the gold that comes out of furnace. And without the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are like the person with one talent. We are angry at God. We are angry like Cain, angry like Jonah, and complain to God and says, God, life is so unfair. Don't expect anything from me. You should be a better God to me. You have all the power, and why do I have to suffer? But when the Holy Spirit comes, uses that 
And then, using that talent to reach out those who are suffering, and we get those people in need and bring them to Jesus. This story of talent is about that as much as the money and the education that we often talk about. And Jesus opens his last sermon with these two stories to get to the final point. This is the last thing he's going to speak publicly to the people before he goes and dies on the cross. Verse 31 of Matthew 25 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Does this sound like a parable to you? Or is Jesus saying, I'm going to die for you, but I am coming back with all the glory. Jesus is telling us the last sermon about the manner of his return. And this is like a teacher saying, I will tell you what is on the final test. Not only that I will give you all the questions, I am going to give you the right answer. You can get 100% right on the test. And the whole Christian kingdom today, make this a parable. We do not read this as a sermon. We just read as three independent parables. In his sermon, he says, when I come, I am going to separate the saved and unsaved. I am going to separate sheep and the goat. I am going to separate the wheat and the tares. And this is how you tell the difference. He says, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the people say what? When did we do that? And to the unsaved, Jesus says the same thing in opposite. You didn't feed me. You didn't visit me. And they say what? When did we see you? And, right? That's the, that's the issue. So going back, going back to the parables, what is Jesus saying? Your eyes will not be enlightened unless the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You have to start seeing the unfortunate things that happened to you as the biggest gift. Paul understood this perfectly. In Philippians, he talks about, I want to understand, I want to know Jesus, even unto his death, to learn of his suffering, I'm willing to die. You know what is the greatest gift that God bestows upon us? 
us understanding the suffering of Jesus Christ. Not even an angel, not even the archangel could understand the pain like you and me. You think heavenly being can understand the pain, disappointment, and rejection, shame, and fear? They are not capable of that. It's only us. We will be visiting all the creations to explain to them the meaning of cross. And if you do not understand the suffering, there's no way you can do a better job than angels. And Jesus is saying, use your gift through Holy Spirit, be transformed. Then you will see those people the small ones, the strangers, the widows, the orphans, the outsiders, the poor, as God sees them. You will not see them as Jesus, no. You will see them as God sees them. And you will fill their need as, as God wants you to fill them. You are God's hands and feet. You are God's voice. And Jesus will say at the end, what you have done to those people, you have done to me. That is his last sermon to us. God led me to a wonderful journey since my retirement two and a half years ago, I thought I would just go to prison ministry and just quietly do that service. And Pastor Kim invited me to be the Bible worker for the church. And not that I planned it this way, but God opened so many amazing, amazing opportunities to make our church whole. So let me spend a few minutes to describe to you the opportunities that are in front of us. Pastor Bay is at that orphanage. Visited that orphanage. Pastor Kim will be visiting that orphanage on the way from the next Philippine mission trip in September. And we are planning the fourth leg of our mission project, and we want to send some people to the orphanage next August. And that's why Pastor went over there to, this, um, to plan that kind of thing. Two weeks ago, I did something terrible, and I told pa Pastor Kim not to preach. Instead, I told him to go visit this church in L.A., wholly made up of homeless people, homeless mission church. They don't even have a parking lot because nobody has cars. Downtown L.A. When I went there, my heart melted. Julie and I donated two of our old cars. 
They're using one of our old vans to transport homeless people and bring food and doing the, the, the feeding using our minivan. Another car we gave is going to be somebody else's home. And I go to prison ministry and reach out to those people. And as Seventh-day Adventists, we proclaim that we have the spirit of prophecy in Ellen White. There are millions of Adventists, but it's one prophet. Even though I go to prison by myself, I believe that God manifested his Holy Spirit in me, and I go as a part of the church of this this, this church. When I go, you are going with me. When Pastor Kim spoke at that homeless church, all of us were there. But in order for you to benefit from these programs, you have to get involved. There's no benefit. We are trying to raise $24,000 to send the orphans to the Adventist school over there. But I don't want to ask you to give offering today. I wish, you know, we could use dozen used cards for this homeless ministry, but it's premature for me to ask you to donate your used cards. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about manifestation of Holy Spirit and it goes to next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about? It's a love ch chapter, isn't it? And in, in that love chapter, it goes like this. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass and clanging cymbals. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all truth so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, here we go, even though I give everything to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, I profited nothing. If I just do fundraising here and ask for car donation, that's no different than PBS doing fundraising. What is benefit in you? Jesus' last sermon is about what? Yes, manifestation of Holy Spirit is important. But do you realize what Paul is saying in this chapter? The speaking tongues, the prophecy, understanding and knowledge and faith and good works. Do you know that in chapter 12 of the same book, 1 Corinthians, that is the very manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It is the heart first. 
if we just do the work without having this love, and to have this love, you have to have the working of Holy Spirit working in our heart to transform us. Without that, we will go out and feed the hungry, and we will go do the prison ministry, and when Jesus comes, Jesus will say, I don't know you, because you don't have the heart of Christ. We need to transform our heart by coming to the Lord. That's why Jesus gave us this parables first. Come and be transformed. Let the Holy Spirit work in your lives, not just manifestation of Holy Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, the love chapter. So let us, let us become one church, one Christ, one spirit, one love. So that we can freely give, not because somebody's looking at us. Not to raise certain amount of money for the orphanage. But let us first go there and learn to love unlovable. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us today. And after 2,000 years, thank you for preaching your last sermon once again to us. Help us to realize that the story that we thought was a parable of sheep and goats is indeed power sermon that you're speaking to us in our heart. Lord, we want to be that sheep and we want to have our eyes open up, enlightened to see the spiritual things. We want to see how you see things. Lord, transform us. Let us be indeed your children. Let us indeed be your sheep. When you speak, we want to discern your voice. We want to hear your voice and follow, Lord. Work with us. We know that this church, Laodicean church, this time, we are lukewarm. Lord, kindle that fire once again. Let us burn with the Holy Spirit. This we pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.